welcome to Activity Quest, the podcast that will make your summer epic. As you might know, every episode of Activity Quest is packed with stuff to do. And in this one, Dan is visiting the Clink, London's oldest prison. It's now a museum that you can tour around. We're chatting water safety with the RNLI. And Jacqueline Wilson's here. She's setting you a task to complete this summer. Now, episodes of Activity Quest always start with a fun kids presenter getting out and about and discovering what's happening near you. This week, Dan's at the Clink, or to give it its full name, the Clink Prison Museum. It dates back to 1144, making it one of England's oldest and most notorious prisons. It's actually where all of the other prisons get their name from. You might have heard them referred to as Clinks. Now, I have always fancied Dan behind bars for crimes against comedy, perhaps. But perhaps not here. Uh, It's well known for its torture devices and its tales of torment. Let's find out what's going on with Dan. I've just walked down the rather foreboding, kind of terrifying steps that lead into the Clink Prison Museum, and I found Alex, who tells me the Clink actually was a prison itself, but all the other prisons we know of are called Clinks. Alex, just tell us more. It's criminal slang. Crime always produces language of its own. And there are lots of names in our language for prison. Doing time, because you spend a lot of time in prison, or doing porridge. (laughs) Have you never heard of doing porridge? I've I've heard of it on the telly. Right, well, that's what it comes from. It's because you get porridge for breakfast. Or if you're in the east end of London, the term is away on his holidays. (laughs) You got the voice down, by the way. Now, Alex, uh, we've kind of travelled back through time. We're in... 1144, that's when the Clink prison dates back to. It's an era that I don't really know too much about. Can you set the scene? Can you paint the picture? What was London like back in the 1100s? London was the city on the opposite, on the far side of the river for a start. Um, The country was in civil war, which was between the king, Stephen, and his aunt, Matilda. The king's brother, uh, Henri de Blois, Bishop of Winchester, had just finished building a huge palace 500 yards down the road from where we are now, and he wanted a pied-à-terre very close to London, close to the seat of power, and he'd also built it right where Londoners came to party because they came to this side of the river to have a drink, have a dance and let their hair down. And occasionally people get drunk and they get into trouble and you have to put them somewhere safe overnight so they can see the magistrate in the morning when everybody's sober, the magistrate included. And that's where the prison came in. The original idea wasn't as somewhere to chuck people long term. It was leave them in for a couple of nights so they can see the brief when he's back behind his bench. One of my favourite things about museums like this... It's not stuff that you see behind glasses that you can't get anywhere near. You're thrown right into it. One of the first places you go is a really dank, really damp, really squalid room, just as it would have been back in the 14th century. The inside of the clink back then was a squalid, was a perilous cellar, crammed, 
thick to bursting with petty crooks, thieves, con men, street robbers, debtors, and it would have stank. Just imagine all those people, nowhere to wash, nowhere to clean, all being together. And right now, you kind of feel that too. It's all safe, it's all socially distanced, all of that. <laughs> You're not quite as crammed in as you were back in the, in the 14th century, but still, it feels so brilliantly slimy. Now, when you're outside the museum, you see a, a body, a fake body that's in some form of chain torture device. It's hanging from the walls. Right. We've got iron gates here. Just very quickly, Alex, this might have not been made for a place where people spent a long time, but what did it end up as? What were criminals like back then? Well, criminals, essentially, they are people who break the law. And that the law changes over the centuries. Um, from the 12th century, you could be locked up for owing money and not being able to pay it back. From the 16th century, you could be in prison for wanting to worship God in the wrong way. So that's how it changes, because society changes and different things become illegal. The cage hanging outside is called a gibbet. And the point of a gibbet was, after somebody being convicted of murder, they'd be hanged, and then the body could be hung in a cage like that at a prominent place, generally a crossroads or on the outskirts of a town, to warn people, don't do the crime of murder because this is what will happen to your body afterwards. And they could be left up there for a very long time, uh, tens of years, not like a fortnight. And this is where we get the name, because, as you can see, here's the blacksmith and an unfortunate prisoner, and what he's doing is fitting the metal cup to his wrist. You've heard the phrase to be clapped in irons? I have. They clap. And to close that, it's not with a padlock. It's with a rivet. The rivet you make red hot in the blacksmith's forge. Put it through the two holes in the cuff, put it down on the anvil and <laughs> clink. I found a big interactive screen and on it, you can click and learn more about all the different types of medieval tortures, the, the gibbet the Judas Cradle, the Tongue Terror, 50 points if you guess what that does, the Brazen Bull, the Head Crusher. They weren't really that subtle and creative with their names back in the day, were they? Death by Boiling goes to show something brilliant called the Spanish Tickler. I don't want to tell you too much about these things because most of them are pretty vile, pretty disgusting, and I might get told off myself by the bosses. But when you come here, make sure you check out the interactive screen with all of the medieval tortures. Little bit of a warning, maybe don't eat before you do, because some of these things they did back in the day are kind of stomach-turning. I think I'm just about done here at the Clink Prison Museum. Uh, 
the museum is on one of the sites of the Clink Prison. It moved around London over its 600-odd year history, and I've travelled through all of that history today from the Civil War period, found out all about the information-extracting devices... And if you're into your history, if you like kind of gruesome stuff, I think you need to get yourself down here. It won't take you all day. You can come by if you're ever in London. You really dive in. You really dive into a really slimy, grimy part of the city and London's kind of terrifying history. Thanks, Dan! That was the Clink Prison Museum. Clink.co.uk is the place to book your tickets. They start from £6.50 and you even get a photo of you banged up behind bars. That's included. And if you want to see Dan in all his jailed glory, go to funkidslive.com right now. Remember, whatever you get up to, whether it's visiting a museum or something else entirely... We want to know. You can leave us a five-star review wherever it is you're listening to this or get in touch at funkidslive.com slash activityquest. All right, here's what else is happening across the UK. Kids Week is happening this month. If you're aged 17 and under, you go free when accompanied by a full-paying adult to shows throughout August. There's loads on from Billionaire Boy to Dinosaur World Live, a show all about Doctor Who, Sam and Mark, Horrible Histories and loads more. You can find out who's taking part, when and where at officiallondontheatre.com. And the Fringe Festival is on in Edinburgh right now. You can access a wide range of amazing shows through in-person events, both outdoors and indoors. There's also scheduled online performances and on-demand digital shows too. The full schedule at edfringe.com. And if that wasn't enough show-stopping action for you, Bex is on stage and is hosting the biggest book event Fun Kids has ever done. It's the Fun Kids Bookworms Live, and it's happening as part of the Underbelly Festival in London in just a few weeks' time on August 28th. Filled with stories that we love, authors that inspire us, and an illustrator or two, Bex is going to tour us through the pages of some of the biggest and best titles right now. Head over to the Fun Kids website, funkidslive.com, to find out more. And the summer holidays are finally here, and so is the latest issue of Girl Talk magazine. This issue comes with awesome gifts, including cotton slime, rollable perfume, a super satisfying unicorn squeezer, plus an exclusive sneak peek of the new book, The Accidental Diary of a Bug. They've got everything you need to know on the sweetest staycation styles, some amazing crafts, and the inside scoop on being Ariana's BFF. There's also some of the cutest animals you'll ever see. All of that and so much more inside Girl Talk magazine, which is out right now. Remember to check before you travel and book in advance where you can. And whatever you do, tell them Activity Quest sent you. Now, I'm super excited. Matt Haig, Sooty and Sweep... Sophie Anderson, they have all set you challenges to complete this summer. And we've got another massive author on the podcast who is setting us another massive challenge. Because this week, it's Jacqueline Wilson. The Fun Kids Summer Challenge! Hello, Fun Kids. It's Jacqueline Wilson here. I hope you're all enjoying your summer holidays. And I'm really excited about setting you a very special summer challenge. 
I would love you to write me a story, not just any old story, but a story inspired by my latest Victorian book, Rose Rivers. In the book, Rose, the wealthy daughter of the family, forms a secret friendship with the little servant girl, Clover Moon. In Victorian times, this sort of friendship between very different girls was frowned upon, so Rose and Clover have to keep things very secret. So, get writing. Good luck. She is the nicest lady in the world. Thank you so much to Jacqueline Wilson. Oh my goodness, I love her. Funkidslive.com slash activityquest is the place to get in touch with us and tell us how you get on with your challenge. All right, time for a little bit of a shift here. We're going to go and chat to Sam from the RNLI. That is the Royal National Lifeboat Institution and they save lives at sea. We know lots of you have been visiting the seaside recently and playing around in the pools and rivers. You might have seen in the news that some people have died because they got into trouble in the water. What we're going to talk about is really important, especially if you're someone who swims regularly or perhaps lives near a river or the coast. If this is the point where you want to leave the podcast, you won't be missing anything else, don't worry. Okay, here's what happened when Sean and Sam caught up. So if you or your families, you're heading to the beach this summer, um, the first thing that you need to rem uh, remind your, your parents, your guardians, the adults at home is try your best to go to a lifeguarded beach. Um, because if you go to those places, there will be somebody there to watch you to make sure that you're safe. If you're going into the water, um, swim or bodyboard between the red and yellow flags. And the lifeguards put these out on the beaches. There's often two of them uh, to show you the space uh, in which to swim. Lifeguards also wear these colours so you can look out for them. So they wear, they wear um, yellow tops and red shorts. Uh, it's really important as well if you're going to the beach for the first time um, and perhaps you're new to the, new to the place, um, agree a meeting place. It's really easy to get lost on a beach. Um, so it's really important for, for you or any younger members of the family, um, agree a meeting place in case anybody gets lost. Um, now, going in the sea or going in a, um, a lake swimming, it, it's not like you're used to in the swimming pool if you go to them regularly. Uh, the water can be much colder than you think. Um, it's always moving, the water, uh, and it can be quite powerful if there's waves or currents. Um, cold water especially can take your breath away. So if you were to fall in or jump in quickly, um, cold water can give you a real shock. So it's really important you know what to do if that happens. And what do you do when that happens? Uh, so if you, uh, if you were to fall in uh, and you fall into cold water and you get that, uh, that cold shock response, it's really important that you float to live. And this is something uh, many of you might have learned when you were learning to swim. Uh, maybe you were learning to swim at the moment as well. And um, you hopefully have learned to float on your back. And to float on your back, you lie on your back you stretch out your arms and legs, you push your tummy up, and you, make, you have to make sure that you keep your mouth and nose clear of the water, so tilting your head up and out. And you may need to move your hands and your feet around a little bit, a little bit of sculling um, to help you float. But this skill is really, really important, um, and it really could save your life. So if you were to fall in, float on your back, get used to the temperature of the water, uh, catch your breath 
and then think about what you're going to do next. And that might be actually you can swim to safety, you can swim back to the edge, um, or it might be that you need to get some help. So you might stick an arm straight up in the air and shout help as loud as you can, which I'm sure a lot of your listeners are pretty good at if you were to uh, if you were to encourage them. Oh, they're 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 good at shouting. They're definitely experts at shouting. So I guess that is that's a, that's a nice useful tip to take if we were by any body of water, whether that be the sea or if we were going to go uh, swimming in lakes. Because I know that there's a lot of people who like going freshwater swimming at the moment. Um, uh, what would be your uh, advice for staying safe um, if you were going to go freshwater lake swimming? Mm, if you were going to go um, into yeah lake for the first time, say you're on, on holiday, um, it's really important, again, that you're aware of the, the temperature of the water. Um, also, think about what you're wearing before you get into the water. So if the water is going to be much colder, it's a really great idea to wear something like a wetsuit. Um, or if you're not a very good swimmer, it might even be important to wear something that can help you to float, um, like a, a life jacket or a buoyancy aid. Um, if you can, go with an organized group. Um, so if you're away on holiday, there's often loads of organized clubs that you can go along to um, or activity centers that, that introduce you to some of these activities. Uh, and there you'll have an instructor who can show you how to do it safely. Um, but it's really important uh, if you're going out into the great outdoors and um, you're getting involved with these activities, just make sure as well you take a means of calling for help. Uh, and what I'm talking about here is taking a mobile phone with you. So whether it's your own or your parents or guardians, make sure that you have a fully charged mobile phone with you um, so that if somebody does get in trouble in the water, you can call 999 and ask for the Coast Guard if you're at the beach or ask for the fire service if you're away from the coast. Um, so if you're at a lake uh, or any water waterside location, whether that's a river or a canal. And uh, if we and we've got some really good tips there on staying safe. So hopefully we won't need the following tips. But if we do find ourselves in trouble or maybe we see someone else who hasn't listened to Activity Quest this week and finds himself in trouble, what should we do? What, what are the do's and don'ts? Yeah, so I would say the, the most important thing, if you were just, let's say you're walking along um, the local canal and you see somebody fall in, maybe they're cycling along and they, they fall in. Um, as I say, it's really important, first of all, that you raise the alarm. So call 999 or find somebody else to call 999. Because even if they, they get themselves out of the water, um, they may need to be checked over by uh, a paramedic or, or somebody from um, a, a medical professional. Uh, it's really important. So if that person is in is is stuck in the water and they're not able to get out, it's really important that you do not go in after them. If they've jumped in and they've landed on top of something that's hidden beneath the surface, um, if you decide to jump in as well, you're not going to be able to help them anymore, and you you yourself could be putting yourself in danger. However, there are a couple of other things you can do to, to help that person. So often you'll see along um, riversides and on promenades, um, you'll see uh, public rescue equipment is what it's called. Um, these are often things like life rings, which are big red and white round rings. Um, and then sometimes you see, see things like throw lines as well. If you can see one of these, they're a great, way, a great thing to throw to somebody if they're in trouble in the water. Um, but really, your listeners, have a think about what else might float. Um, so I often encourage people to think about things like basketballs, footballs, rugby balls. Um, they're all great things you could throw to somebody if they're, if they're in trouble in the water, just to help them keep their head up and out of the water like we talked about before. Um, 
so there's some things if you see somebody else in trouble in the water. Um, but the, the main thing is do not go in yourself and call 999 and raise the alarm as soon as you can. Excellent stuff. I reckon we are going to be all A-OK this summer. And, you know, you can always come back to this part of the Activity Quest podcast to freshen yourself up, remind yourself of these ways of staying safe if you're by the water in the summer or the winter or whenever, whenever it is. Sam, thank you so much for coming on to chat to us. No problem at all. Thanks for having me. Thanks to Sean and thanks to Sam too. RNLI.org is the website of the RNLI. There you can find lifeguarded beaches and more. All right, that's it for today. We've given you stuff to do, and now it's your turn to do it. Remember, there are loads of episodes of Activity Quest that you can go back and listen to anytime you like. If you're after more suggestions, just scroll back in your podcast app and pick an episode you fancy. Whatever you do and however you do it, tell us at funkidslive.com slash activityquest. And remember to rate, review and follow this podcast wherever it is you're listening to it. I'm Bex, and this has been a podcast from the UK's children's radio station, Fun Kids. Listen to me on your DAB digital radio, online, on the free Fun Kids mobile app and on your smart speaker. Just say play Fun Kids every weekday from 4pm. See you then. The Space Programme is a Baffle Gab production for the UK's children's radio station, Fun Kids. You can listen to Fun Kids all day on your DAB digital radio, on your smart speaker by saying play Fun Kids and on the free Fun Kids mobile app. You can also listen online and play loads of games, quizzes, as well as find out the latest news at funkidslive.com. Um, it's got some amazingly pink and white flowers. The leaves look quite kind of f- like um, kind of furry, you know what I mean? It's a warm spring day in late March, and ever since the leaves have started to come out, Roby Joe has been wondering why some trees lose their leaves and some don't, and also like how the trees know when it's time to shed their leaves. To find out, join us on the conversations, Curious Kids, wherever you get your podcasts.